0: We are very aware that this retreat is taking place uh, at a time when we are in the midst of, of multiple crises of different kinds, the, the COVID and, and health crisis that surely is affecting all of us. The The economic impact of that may well be affecting uh, many of us. The crises that we're facing at this time as we uh, confront, become more aware of the deep systemic and structural racism in many of our societies and, and our cultures. And, of course, uh, holding all the crises of the climate and of extinction. Those living in the UK may have seen uh, Sir David Attenborough's graphic uh, warnings last evening on, on the television about the extinction crisis that we're facing. And, you know, maybe there's also the crisis that comes from living in political and economic systems that don't currently seem well-oriented to addressing all of these other crises in a way that truly serves the common good. So these are are difficult times, these are really challenging times. And uh, we hope you agree And that you will find that taking these few days on retreat is not somehow an avoidance or a distraction uh, from these crises. Is not somehow just a way of checking out. But actually, in a very real and livable way, is about a resourcing and an empowerment uh, in the midst of these collective crises and indeed in the midst of personal crises or personal dimensions of these crises through which you may be living. You know, in a very real way, this is a practice that orients us to meeting uh, the difficulties of life in a way that is more informed by awareness and wisdom and ethics and compassion rather than just getting lost in in personal and collective reactions of panic and anxiety and fear and blame and denial and dissociation and in this way You know, this practice, as the Buddha said, is 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 protective, it's protective of our well-being and it's protective of the well-being of all those with whom we interact. Uh, And, you know, my guess is that many of us know this really deeply in our own experience that this practice is uh, supportive of taking care of ourselves and others and supportive of discerning and having the courage and the resource to make the necessary changes to how we live in a way that responds rather than just react each of the crises that i've mentioned you know requires a response from us as as we will be reflecting over these days and, and this practice is about resourcing us with the sense of groundedness, the sense of clarity, the clearer seeing, the more available heart and compassion that means we can, can make changes to how we live. You know, i was very conscious of uh, Joanna Macy's words echoing many others or echoed by many others, that business as usual is no longer an ethical option in these times. And in a certain way, that was the message of the Buddha, (laughs) you know, that just going with the role of our habits, collective and individual, is is not an ethical option. We we need to be willing to make changes and uh, review and refresh and reorient. So, you know, it's our hope that, that these days of retreat can really support each one of us in uh, doing this to the extent that feels available to us, the extent that feels possible to us. And, you know, in the face of the turbulence of life, in the face of uh, the crises of life, uh, the Dharma, the Buddha's teachings, strongly guide us as a first response to pause and to ground and to come into mindfulness of the body, which is really the theme that Christina opened up for us this morning, To, to find some degree of steadying and stabilizing and resourcing to help protect us from just being spun around. And this is the cultivation of what the Buddha uh, called Sammata or Samadhi. These are probably words that are familiar to you. I'll just put them in the, in the chat. Sammata and Sammata meaning calming. It's the, the, the kind of verb that Christina mentioned. Um, and samadhi, if you like, the the kind of fruit of that karma. And this word is often translated concentration. Uh, And many of you will have heard Christina and I reflecting that that's not such a very, not such a good translation. Uh, The Buddha used the same word for gathering firewood we don't tend to talk about concentrating firewood. We talk about collecting it, bringing it together. So we could think of this word as really about a, a, a collectedness, uh, a, a kind of recollection, a recollecting. Um, and it is, as we were saying in response to Josephine's helpful question earlier, it is in the, in the Buddhist teachings distinct from mindfulness. It's closely related but it's distinct as a kind of cultivation and and, uh, practice in a way that in contemporary mindfulness-based intentions, they tend to merge them somewhat, Uh, right, collectiveness and, and mindfulness. But it can be so helpful, so helpful, really consciously to explore what helps to resource and collect and steady and stabilize this embodied heart-mind. Not just as a training of attention, so not just about focus, but truly about well-being. So samadhi, uh, it's another reason why concentration doesn't really cut it as a translation. It's It's very much about cultivating a, a sense of well-being of ease of a, a, a kind of calming and steadying and nourishing and soothing and unifying or cohering uh, healing we could we could also say as part of Samadhi I learned recently that the, the Buddha also used the word to describe processes of, of peacemaking in village disputes, and community disputes. So a sense of kind of uh, harmonizing and, and peacemaking inwardly uh, in the b- embodied heart-mind. All of this is uh, really the indispensable, first step of practice really the the uh, the, certainly of meditative practice it's it's really the indispensable first step and i i'd like this evening just to offer some reflections around perhaps three themes that are um, integral to the practice of samadhi i think that some of you have Heard me speak about these themes before. They're the themes of grounding, of enjoying, and of spacious allowing. So grounding, enjoying, and spacious allowing. And if if you have heard me reflect on these before, maybe this is a chance for just kind of deepening in, in your cultivation of these, as, as I'm seeking to do as I speak. Uh, there, you know, there are a few Western nervous systems that couldn't do with more of each of these, you know. And so they are truly a lifetime's practice. And so this theme of grounding, <clears throat> some of you will, know the story of the, the, the Buddha or the Buddha-to-be on the night of his awakening when faced with the storms of Mara. So Mara, the, the embodiment, the personification of distraction and obstruction and confusion. And when faced with those storms, the Buddha touched the earth. You'll have seen perhaps Buddha Rupas, certainly the one at Gaia House, uh, many other Buddha Rupas have the Buddha with this gesture, one hand touching the ground. And you know, this is a, a rich symbolic gesture, but one I think that can really remind us of our primary relationship, which is with the earth. And as uh, We've been guided today by Christina, Ramiro, and Nicole, just to give attention, to really receive and appreciate those sensations with, of contact with ground, the ground of the floor under our feet, the ground of what we're sitting on, lying on. There's something kind of unconditional, about this support. You know, it's not something we have to earn. We just have to remember. There's a kind of fairness and availability of the sensations of grounding that is can be such a source of sanity and steadying in the midst of uh, the difficulties of life. Ajahn Suchito one of the great teachers of the Thai forest tradition uh, currently, he, he likes to say, the safe direction is downwards. A safe direction is downwards. Not, not as an ideology, not, not as the only direction is downwards, but like the primary, the first direction is downwards as a kind of resourcing and rooting out of which we can then rise up to relate. You know, rather like trees, you know, it's the depth of the downness of tree roots that supports the upness and openness and the reach of the branches. And and the Buddha had this very close relationship with trees. (laughs) Most of the major events of his life took place under trees. Trees have so much to teach us about the wisdom of uh, grounding and living, uh, or as Christina put it earlier today, earthing, really earthing as a support for our relating. And it's interesting, isn't it, just how language reflects this. We, We talk about slowing down, settling down, calming down as opposed to speeding up or up tight, you know, or getting very uppity, you know. And perhaps uh, you've already discovered today the blessings of slowing down. The blessings of really letting yourself move a little bit more slowly through your life and feel your contact with the ground. Feel your contact with the ground. You know, this is one of the great blessings of walking meditation, just that it can really help us embody that sense of connection with ground. Because without it, we are just sped up and spun round, aren't we? Um, you know, I certainly recognize uh, just how at times over the last few months <clears throat> with, you know, anxious news, a sense of collective stress, a panic. Uh, it's just been so easy just to be primarily up, <laughs> you know, and to feel how the, the nervous system and the body get charged and recharged. You know, every time... One listens to the news or has another anxious phone call. It's like the system just keeps getting activated and activated and it doesn't have anywhere to go. And so of course it affects our mental life. Of course it affects our sleep. Of course it shortens our tempers. And the wisdom of really learning to replug our nervous system back into the earth. Re-plug our nervous system back into the earth's uh, kind of slower nervous system. And although in the Satipatthana Sutta the the instructions on breathing come first, in the version we have many scholars think actually in the original teaching it was postures that came first. And uh, the postures really You know, remind us of our basic relationship with ground. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down. And, you know, many of us at times, certainly people in our mindfulness classes may find that breathing isn't always the most helpful anchor because the breathing can get charged with anxiety, with stress, with kind of trauma activation. And just the wisdom of feet, seat, hands. Feet, seat, hands. Just whether choosing one of those anchors at times or moving the attention slowly between those three, they can really support this sense of re-regulating rebalancing the nervous system and the heart. Sometimes people find actually just lying on the ground. You may need some time this week when you just lie on the ground and you may do yoga or you may just kind of roll around a bit and just get a bit more earthy in your nervous system. (laughs) Let, Let the kind of charge soak into the ground a bit, you know. This is very helpful. I've been reflecting quite a bit on on the importance of our food and where it comes from, and just the sanity of eating food that is local and seasonal and preferably organic, rather than this kind of, in some ways, insane way in which we invest in flying food Thousands of miles across the world, wrapped in lots of packaging, uh, all for the sake of a few moments of pleasant uh, taste, whilst we're busy watching TV. You know, the, the Buddha would not call this right action. <laughs> you know, and just to kind of have that sense of food that is is grown nearby and that has less of the kind of discombobulations of of air travel in it. You know, this is all helpful. This can all be supportive. And of course, there's a reason why we went up and out in our nervous systems. You know, Uh, there's the the dissociations, the overthinking. It all kind of deserves a certain respect um, because it kind of sent us away. It was a a way of trying to escape from unsafety, you know, had its own intelligence, those, those activations, as the Buddha called them, or formations, as Christina translated them, you know. But as we can notice, they often haven't updated, have they? They're still recoiling from earlier perceptions of threat that may no longer be current, They haven't really kind of integrated our adulthood or the recognition that mindful presence is a better protection than unconscious reactivity and fear. And so this isn't about kind of forcing grounding. It's not about forcing our systems to ground, but inviting, you know, what happens in this moment if you just give a bit more attention than usual to the feeling of your feet, the weight of your legs, the sensations of contact with the chair, the sensitivity and heaviness of your hands. This is, uh, uh, just a cultivation of what the Buddha in the Patana Sutta calls the earth element. And we can feel just how steadying this can be. If we did nothing else but grounding over the next few days, that probably would be time very well spent, you know. So if in doubt at any stage, just know that that kind of grounding practice is is good investment, good practice. There's a way in which it's, it has a kind of, it opens us to a sense of realism, of really being here, of orienting to what's true, right now, present, here. And we can feel how that supports a, an opening to relationship with life in this moment in in zen they say solid as a mountain open as the ocean and we can feel maybe you can feel right now the relationship between those two how really to be present in a kind of grounding where you let the weight of the body really ground And then open the awareness to the computer screen or the room that you're sitting in. And there's a feeling, oh yeah, these are related. When there's enough grounding, I'm more present to relate to life. We we could, could say that to the extent that the nervous system, the heart, The embodied heart-mind has what the Buddha calls kaya. the embodied heart-mind, has integrated, to the extent that it's integrated, sufficient sense of safe ground to be able to lower its threat level. To that degree, the heart will be willing to open in relationship with life. If there's still a sense of threat and unsafety, it's very hard to be fully present <laughs> with life you know, in relationship. And so we can really see that grounding is in the service of relating. It's indispensable in the, in the heart, the embodied heart's uh, capacity for relating relating to humans, relating to nature, relating also to that which is enjoyable. So this is the second of these these themes, the theme of enjoyment. We can probably uh, recognize that, that when there's grounding, there can be an opening to the sunlight, the bird song, the beauty of nature, the presence of another, the taste of food, the laughter of a child, the vastness of the sky, you know, the uplifting music. You know. And the Buddha really made cultivating enjoyment an essential dimension of practice. An essential dimension of practice. Not just a fruit, not just, oh yeah, you'll get enjoyment on as a side fruit, but actually integral to the practice based on the principle that, that uh, we often quote on these retreats. As the Buddha puts it, that the, whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of the mind. Whatever the mind frequently dwells upon becomes the shape of the mind. And so, you know, deliberately dwelling upon, deliberately looking for, and making much of that which is enjoyable. Enjoyable. It's so easy, particularly amidst the perception of crisis or difficulty or threat, to become depleted and wearied and worn down by personal and collective stress and bad news. Has anybody not noticed that over the last few months? You know, it's just so easy to get depleted by, isn't it? And it kind of really highlights just how essential it is to have a daily practice of cultivating enjoyment, practicing enjoyment, letting that which has become dulled by familiarity and habit again become alive and nourishing through being. Noticed again through being valued, through being rejoiced in, through being really uh, you know, a source of gratitude in our lives, a source of gratitude in our lives. That you know, so many. Wisdom Cultures really recommend practices of gratitude as the way of restoring right relationship with life. Right relationship with life. Midst difficult times, midst loss, midst fear. It's so easy to lose a sense of kind of life's blessing. You know, the goodness that is here alongside the difficulty, the loss, the tragedy. It's so important, so important. And, and really in this path, it's, it's indispensable. <laughs> you know, in, in the Buddhist path, in the cultivation of the heart and mind, in the liberation of the heart and mind, this quality of appreciative enjoyment, is really indispensable again not as a denial not as a distraction from the difficulties from the crises from the tragedies but a reminder of more a more of the whole of experience that includes as the Taoists say the ten thousand joys and the ten thousand sorrows of any life and so the sense of, yes, this difficulty and also these blessings and also these blessings. How often we, we tell the stories of lack, the stories of difficulty in the ruminations of our hearts and minds. How uh, much we need also to tell the story of blessings, the story of what we are grateful for, what we can rejoice in. And this is a practice. This is a practice. And this week is an opportunity to practice. (laughs) Uh, You know, is there beauty around you? Are there blessings around you? For which you can renew your appreciation this week. You know, blessings that may have become dulled through familiarity and habit that could be perceived afresh, could be appreciated afresh, could become sources of nourishment and resourcing and enlarging of the capacity of your heart. Taking in the good, as some teachers put it, taking in the good, so that we let the blessings of our lives be breathed through the heart and the nervous system, not just listed with the head, (laughs) you know? It's not just counting the blessings, but breathing the blessings, we could say. You know, kind of metabolizing the blessings you know, uh, and really letting them nourish you. Again, if you did nothing else this week but that, that practice, that would be time so well spent, so well spent. It you know, can have such a, a powerful effect on our lives and is such a necessary antidote to a culture and an economic system that teaches dissatisfaction, you know. Every advertisement we've ever seen is basically giving the message, you know, your life is inadequate as it is until you get this washing powder or, you know, sports kit or whatever it is, you know. Uh, And so we get indoctrinated by the ideology of insufficiency and lack. We get programmed to that. And there's something radically countercultural about a practice of gratitude and appreciation and breathing of the blessings of our lives. It's very, very necessary. You know, helps also to guard against the kind of uh, kind of behaviours of consumerism that are causing so much harm in our world. Yeah. So. Enjoyment, yes, as a practice um, throughout the moments of the day over these days, including the moments of what we might call formal practice. So what is it really to bring the intention of gentle enjoyment right into the midst, into the heart? of our meditative practice. So easily we bring the unconscious intention of trying to get it right, trying to do it right. Yeah? Do you, do you recognize that one? Maybe it's just me that does that, you know, but but maybe you also notice, okay, it's so easy to have the sense of trying to get it right, trying to do it right. And actually, what is it instead, if instead of just me trying to make my attention stay on the breath, that what I'm practicing is continually and patiently renewing the intention of gentle enjoyment? Gentle enjoyment. Gentle enjoyment of grounding. Gentle enjoyment of the weight of the body on the chair. Gentle enjoyment of the quiet tingling and okayness of the hands. Gentle enjoyment of the freshness of the in-breath or the release of the out-breath. Gentle enjoyment of the feeling of walking if we're able to walk. And my word, we'll miss that when we can't. So why not really enjoy it now, <laughs> you know? Like Tik Nhat Hanh says, you know, the miracle is not to walk on water, the miracle is to walk on the earth, you know? And actually, what is it really to bring enjoyment into the walking practice as well as the sitting practice? The enjoyment of being present you know, maybe even right now you can feel just a, a kind of enjoyment of presence. And again and again to to soak this up, as the Buddha puts it. The Buddha's words for samadhi are often ones using water imagery, like absorbing or soaking or saturating the body in a sense of gentle enjoyment. Mm -hmm. We could even put it that our practice is to marinate, to marinate in whatever degree of well-being is present and available, here and now. I could marinate in anxiety. I could marinate in comparison, judgment, but what if I marinate in just a quiet sense of okayness? Do you know what I mean by marinate? It's like, okay, marinade is like what you might, if you have tofu and you put kind of olive oil and balsamic vinegar and a bit of mustard, a bit of lemon juice some herbs, and it kind of soaks it up, yeah? And you leave, it, leave the tofu to, to soak and it really soaks it all up, you know. And the Buddha uses this word soak and suffuse to describe how in the cultivation of samadhi we can marinate the embodied heart mind. We can soak it in a sense of gentle enjoyment. A, a gentle enjoyment that doesn't require us to get rid of discomfort either in the body or in the mind it it's it's so easy for the attention just when there's discomfort around just to glue on to the discomfort and fixate on it and yes as as mindfulness practitioners we know the importance of turning towards the difficult but an equally important part of practice is learning how not to give so much attention to what is difficult in the service of cultivating a sense of resource and well-being and enjoyment of the present moment, enjoyment of the okayness that we feel. Because that is, as the Buddha really described, that is actually so important to support our turning towards difficulty. so important to build the heart's capacity to enlarge the heart as the buddha described it enlarge the heart to be able to hold difficulty within a larger context and so learning to to stay in contact with what grounds and resources and steadiness steadies us in the presence of what challenges and activates us This is is a really key part of practice in our times, learning to stay in contact with what resources in the presence of what challenges. And as we do that, we may find that pain in the body and indeed pain in the mind don't have a fixed size and intensity within consciousness. They depend very much on the climate of the mind, in the moment, the climate of the heart, and what we're cultivating in the moment. So yeah, that's the second of these themes, the, the theme of enjoyment, really commending it to you as a practice for this week. Grounding, enjoy. And briefly, spacious, Allowing. Spacious allowing. Uh, You may be able to feel in this moment how when there's enough grounding, it can support an opening of the awareness to the whole body and the space around the body. Yeah? The sense of solid as a mountain, open as the ocean, awareness can open up to feel the whole body and the space around the body, perhaps in the way that you do at the end of a body scan, you know, where there's the opening, having been through all the parts of the body, you open the attention to the whole body. And that generally feels good. You know. Spaciousness generally feels good. We know that contraction and tightness generally don't feel so good because <laughs> they're the hallmarks of reactivity and getting uptight in reaction to things. And so for this reason, as, as um, Christina quoted this morning, you know, the, the Satipatthana says, Satipatthana Sutta says, or well, guides us, breathing in sensitive to the entire body, breathing out sensitive to the entire body breathing in calming the bodily activations or formations breathing out calming the bodily formations and the sense we get from the buddhist teachings are that whole body awareness was integral to his practice and we can notice again that 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 actually in our practice the attention will keep shrinking and the invitation is to keep gently expanding the awareness when it shrinks and contracts around a thought or around a sensation seeing how it is gently to expand the awareness again letting it be open Letting it be spacious. This is very supportive of a sense of well-being and a sense of balance and a practice of allowing. Allowing, of course, is a a central theme in contemporary mindfulness-based interventions. Uh, Allowing and letting be one of the... Sessions in mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, very present also in MBSR and other programs. And we may have a sense of, oh yeah, allowing emotions. That's, that's really what that's about, allowing emotions. Well, is it possible also to take the practice of spacious allowing deep into the textures of embodiment deep into the textures of the feeling of the body sitting here lying here this is very very skillful part of the craft is really to to practice kind of filling and again soaking the body with a sense of spacious allowing can it really can become inseparable from the practice of enjoying really just enjoy the sense of release in the textures of the body and heart which may have gotten uptight over recent days recent weeks recent months Mm -hmm. using this as a chance to do that you know, we, we do find that, as the Buddha says, these, these activations, these knots, do kind of collect in the texture of the body, don't they? Often as what we call pain or tightness, tension. And again, that all had its own intelligence. It's not a mistake. It was the way the body and heart were trying to protect themselves. But if there's enough grounding, if there's enough enjoying, if there's an intention of spacious allowing, we may find these knots, these formations, these activations, have a chance to unbind, unbind. This is one of the translations of the word nibbana is unbinding and on retreat and on this retreat really an opportunity to feel the somatic aspect of that to feel in the body and the heart how the cultivation of grounding enjoying spacious allowing can really support uh, a a gradual releasing. Yes, there may be waves that need to wave through of activation, but this can all be in the service of, of this gradual unbinding. Allowing not as our only response to life. Sometimes we need really to have a very strong no. Sometimes we need to intervene, whether that's in our own personal habits and life, whether that's in our relationships, whether that's as in protest against aspects of our society that do not honour the common good, that do not honour uh, the well being of, of all. So allowing not as the only gesture but as that which enables a clearer seeing of how things are because what we're allowing is the way things already are and the allowing enables the attuning to that which in turn enables the responding to that and sometimes that takes time and sometimes we are called upon to practice all of that in a moment (laughs) and this is part of the craft this is part of the craft reactivity tightens binds and feeds further reactivity in the body and in the heart mind internally and externally in our relationships. Grounding, enjoying, spacious, allowing, calm reactivity. Loosen contraction. Support a gradual unbinding of that which generates distress and dissatisfaction that which obstructs and yeah imprisons the heart so really just commending these uh, three themes to you to the extent that they feel relevant or useful as with all the instructions this week pick up what's helpful and just let go of the rest <laughs> yeah pick up what's helpful and know that the rest is on the recording or, you know, it's just not for me at this time. It's really totally fine. But these, we could see just as three intentions to play with. To play with. Play is often a very helpful attitude to bring to practice. What happens if I play with grounding or play with enjoying, play with Spacious allowing. All in the service of our own well-being. The well-being of those with whom we relate in our homes and in our workplaces, in our communities. And in that way, in the service of the well-being of our world and our worlds at this uh, particular challenging time so should we just um, take a moment you may want to pick up one of those themes just for a moment or two of quiet uh, and then I'll ring a bell